Welcome to the Inside Scoop Live podcast, where indie authors get personal about their books, their writing, and their passions. I'm your host, Sherry Hoyt. Join me for some lively conversations with debut indie authors and seasoned veterans alike. It's a great place to find your next amazing read or even get inspired. So sit back and enjoy the show and let me know what you think. Hey everyone, welcome back. Today I'm talking with Benetta Gom, author of Becoming an Angel of Change. Part memoir, part inspiration, and self-help, Becoming an Angel of Change is a collection of stories detailing the author's journey of exploring her life's purpose, helping others in need. From her beginnings as an eight-year-old philanthropist in Senegal to her adult life establishing outreach programs in the United States, through Benetta's journey, readers will be inspired to discover their own strengths, uniqueness, and purpose. Before we get started, here's the inside scoop on Benetta. Benetta Gom was born in Senegal, West Africa in 1964. She grew up without her father, who died when she was a little over four years old, and was raised by her mother, who taught her how to appreciate life and serve people in need, even when the family was enduring hardship. Benetta came to America in 1994 to pursue her dream, to give her children the opportunities she never had as a child, and to empower the global community by sharing her stories and working with parents to raise philanthropic children, which she believes is part of the solution for the problems we have in our school environments. Benetta thinks children value what their parents value, and she never stops learning and always strives to be the best role model for her children. She decided to write Becoming an Angel of Change to share her stories with the world to inspire parents, immigrants, and women to make positive change within themselves, their homes, and their workplaces, as well as their communities. Benetta currently lives in Los Angeles with her four children. For more information about Benetta Gom, visit her website at benettagom.com. Well, hi, Benetta. Welcome to Inside Scoop Live. Hi, Sherry, and thank you so much for the invitation. I'm looking forward to talking with you about your book, Becoming an Angel of Change. Why don't mm-hmm. you start by telling us a little bit about the book? Thank you so much. I really appreciate this invitation for sharing my stories. Becoming an Angel of Change is a collection of stories about mm-hmm. my life, my childhood life, things that I went through, and I didn't know why I was going through those as a child, witnessing some sad moments, some um, wonderful moments. Then I moved through my immigrant life in America, Uh, the disconnection, the uncertainty, uh, you know, the enthusiasm of being here, and also the awareness I got while being here. So that's the second part of the book. And uh, at the end, I talk about the lessons I got from those moments and how they guided my life and uh, how readers can, you know, get some insight probably some aha moments in their life by reading this book. And I am so uh, excited to share it with the world. Yeah. And you're going to find stories that can, you know, enlighten some of your journey. It's wonderful. I'm so thankful for it. I'm so thankful to write this book, to share my stories. Well, it's a wonderful, inspirational story. I love the title, Becoming an Angel of Change. Um, Mm -hmm. That just speaks to you right away. What is an angel of change? Thank you for that question. An angel of change, the way I can describe it, is people who are here to make change no matter what. 
They don't care about race. They don't care about religion. Any limiting belief, like these are my people, they don't have that kind of belief, that kind of thoughts. All they want in life is to make change, to help people, to be there for people. Mm. And that is, uh, no one can stop them from doing that. So angels of change are just wonderful people, good people, you know, with good spirit. I love that. You have become an angel of change by example. Thank you. Thank you, yeah. Sherry. Thank you. You too. You too. Because what you're doing right now is is that. Yeah. You are changing my life by sharing my stories. Yeah. So what inspired you to sit down and write a book? Thank you. Uh, three reasons. Three reasons. One is at that moment I was writing this book, I missed my child because I left my nine-year-old son in my country. So uh, mm. I found that by writing my pain was lessening. It was exciting for me to write. And uh, that was the first reason. So I couldn't stop writing. Mm -hmm. The second reason is to help immigrants to take advantage of the opportunity in America and to stop suffering. Sometimes we come here, we suffer because we left family behind. Mm -hmm. And it's so hard. And sometimes you can focus on the opportunity you have here. You can focus on being here instead of focusing on being there and not being there. And it's so painful. And the third reason, I just wanted to share my experience in America, my awareness, the, my aha moment, the excitement I had while being away from my family. It's very hard when you are not with your family, but at the same time, you are so excited and you are so blessed to be in this beautiful country. That's what I wanted to share with people so they know that in life you can create something. You can be happy even though, you know, there are some ups and downs. But you can do things that can make you fulfilled. Yeah. That's the, those are the reason, the main reason I, I wrote this book. Yeah. It reminds me of uh, the saying that you are not your circumstances. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Some people, they just want to focus on, on what they're living right now, on the, the pain, you mm -hmm. know, the lack of resources, not knowing that, you know, that's a fact, of course, but there is something else in life. Your thinking can make you happy. So yeah. what I was trying to do while being away, you know, from my family and my son is like to think positive, to be here, to take advantage of these opportunities and uh, to do something greater. And that is excitement. That's what will change your life. Really. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Now, I love the way you have your book laid out. I like to call it part memoir, part inspiration and part self-help because I feel like it's all three wrapped into one bundle. Mm -hmm. And so the first section you told us a little bit about it are the stories of your childhood in Senegal. Mm -hmm. And then how did those, how did those early experiences in Senegal shape you into the person you are today? Uh, those were like wonderful stories. It was hard. It was sad to see a child not being able to, to play, to be with, uh, you know, their dads. Like my case, my, I lost my dad when I was four. Mm. a little over four years and uh, we had everything he was he was a good man you know he had resources to help people and suddenly my mom who never went to school never had a job just become the provider mm. and I was very close to my mom witnessing all of you know the struggles so it's just like God was putting me up there witnessing all, you know, kind of sufferings, you know, all the women suffering, kids being in the street my age, and I didn't understand why they are, you know, in the street, where are their parents. Right. So those stories, and when I got a job, 
excited to have a job to share it with with people those are like my blueprint my uh, my foundation my foundation uh, in the first page of my book i had a quote that says your past is your foundation it makes you strong mm. your present is your unique gift for a better future that's what i wanted to share with people is don't dwell on your past especially if it's hard saying why this happened to me why they did this to me all those kind of stuff are there for a reason so try to find the reason try to find your purpose those stories those memories can make you a powerful person because you can learn so much from those um, circumstances and uh, just create a new life you can do that yeah, yeah. Yeah. And you mentioned your mom. And so she was a big mm-hmm. influence on your early life and today, mm-hmm. I imagine, as well. Mm-hmm. So what kind of lessons did she instill in you? Uh, the first thing was respect. Respect yourself. When you respect yourself, you cannot do things to people. You don't want other people to do to you. So that's how you respect yourself. Do the right thing to other people. Mm. The second thing was love yourself no matter what. You are created like being a great person. Don't just doubt yourself. Don't think that you are a lesser person. Even if you are broke, even if you you live in circumstances that you don't like. Because the thing I witnessed, that's not something my mom told me. Mm -hmm. But while we were struggling, my mom was helping more. She was thinking more about helping people than I don't have this. My husband is gone. Who is going to help me? That was not her thinking. Her thinking was, I have something to help people no matter what I'm going through. And I witnessed that and I learned that from her. And when I came to the United States, that's basically her teaching that I applied. And always be strong. That's what she always said. Always be strong. Life is hard. Sometimes it can be tough, but be strong. And I got that from her. I got that from her father, uh, who was an influence in the whole family. That's what guided me to having a book, having a foundation. Mm-hmm. Those teachings are so powerful. Yeah. And I wanted to share it with people. You sound like you're a lot like your mother. <laughs> thank so, you. Thank so you. that is from her upbringing for sure. Uh, yeah, but you. when did you realize your passion for philanthropy and what drives this passion of helping people? Probably when I was eight, I started to help people, even though I didn't know what I was doing. But at the age of 16, that's when I started to realize that this is something I want to do because of the feeling. Mm -hmm. I was feeling so good helping people. I would cry to give people food. It was so powerful. I was like, this is something I want to do no matter what. That's why at the age of 18, 19, I stopped going to school just to create something, to have resources to help people. Mm. So at the age of eight, I didn't know what I was doing, but I was feeling good. Sunday was a great day for me because Sunday was the day my mom will uh, organize, you know, the kids and we're going to feed them and all of, all those kind of stuff. And I couldn't stop. From eight years to 16 years, I was just like a butterfly in the neighborhood, helping people, helping <laughs> neighbors. It was so good. My mom sometimes will call me, where are you? Where are you? I'm like, I'm helping my grandma here or I'm helping this woman. It was so good. I couldn't stop. <laughs> and at the age of 16, I was just alone in our house because I will um, go to my room. I will start thinking, how am I going to organize the kids? 
how am I going to have woman center? Because my mom struggled so hard and I didn't want to see women. I hate to see women struggling. I hate to see women suffering. Mm-hmm. And I was trying to organize those thoughts in my mind. How can I have a, a helping, you know, a woman center to help women? How can I have a children's center? That was my life from 16 to 24 until I got a job. And as soon as I got my job, I didn't know about foundation. I thought that helping was just getting your money, your resources, and go and help people. Yeah. So, and that's what I started at the age of 24. And I did that for six years in Senegal and came to the United States at the age of 30. And it was just amazing what I found here. Oh, wow. So you started your foundation in Senegal? Yes. Oh. I started, you can say it's a foundation, but I never had that idea of something like a foundation existed. Like oh, okay. you could have an organization with paperwork and people, you know, come and support you. It was not like that. But when I came here, I told myself, I had a foundation without even knowing that I had a foundation. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. It was wonderful. So tell us briefly about immigrating to the U.S. I mean, I want to hear about your initial reaction when you arrived and and also maybe what some of your biggest challenges were. Yes, yeah, that was amazing. When I came here in America, uh, coming from a small town called Bani in my in, in Senegal, it's just like at that moment between ten and 15,000 people, and we know each other. Mm-hmm. It's, it was family. I can go to any house to eat, to have a snack, to laugh, you know. Yeah. And then suddenly you came to a big country. You don't know anybody but your husband. And it was huge. It was beautiful. It was fast for me. And uh, it was tough the first time, the first moment. My first year in America was so tough, so painful. Mm. But at the same time, I was excited to be here. I had a problem with understanding the language. I speak English. In my country, you have the choice of speaking three languages Mm. before you go to the university. So the third one is the choice, but the first one, which is French, and the second one, which is English, are mandatory. All kids will take it. And then you have to choose a third one. And I choose Spanish at that moment. And, uh, but our English is just like England English. Mm, so it's okay. different than the American English. Yeah. So even though I was speaking English, I couldn't understand. It was fast. People were speaking fast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, was, it was just amazing. I was just listening to everything, looking at everything. It was just amazing. At the same time, I missed my family. I was lonely. I was disconnected. And it was very challenging. But me immigrating in here in America is different. I have families in other countries. I have siblings in other countries. Mm. But immigrating in America is the best way of immigrating in the whole world. Mm. This country is the best place to be. I lived 30 years in West Africa. I am on my 27 years here in America. I listen to stories with my siblings over there, the way they're living. And I see people also living here. I see immigrants working so hard here, making it here. And the way America is set up, maybe American people may not understand the value, the opportunities in this country. But as an immigrant, this is the best place to be. And I am so blessed to be here. And I thank God every day for being here. Yeah. So there is a difference. That means my suffering, I will lessen my suffering. 
I'm not here just to be here and, you know, being sad because I'm disconnected with my family. No, I was here and at a certain point I was like, I am here for a reason. And when you are here for a reason, things change. Right. Things shift. You're not, uh, oh, I am here, I'm with my husband, I miss my son, I miss my mom, I got to go back. It was not like that. It was, I am here for a reason and I think I'm going to suffer first. That's why I accepted the suffering. That's why I decided to stay, to change my life first before being able to help people. Because everything I was asking probably from 16 and now is please God give me resources to help people, especially women and children. Mm -hmm. So when I came to the United States of America and I see the spirit of giving in this country, I was emotional. I was like, this is the right place to be if you want to help people. I think I read uh, like in 2017, I think that was in 2017, that America has raised more than 370 billion just to help people. Wow. This is the only place this is happening. Nowhere else in the world. And if you are a philanthropic person, you feel things. I mean, you are amazed by reading things like that. I wish we so, heard more about that kind of stuff in the news than, than the things oh, yeah. that we do here, you know? <laughs> yes, it's so beautiful. And I, I wish I can talk to American people to be proud of this country. Because yeah. a lot of them think this country is nothing. Oh, no. Just wait till you get to other countries outside of America. This place is the best place to be, especially if you are here, if you want to help. It's just amazing. I'm just blessed and I thank God every day for being here. And yeah. I wish all Americans can know that so they can respect this country more and start looking at the bright side of America. Yeah. You've kind of given me some new insight today to look at it a little bit differently. And mm -hmm. I think, you know, with the past year and a half, everyone is has a tendency, I think, to look at the negative. And mm -hmm. so it's so nice to hear positive change. You're, and you're, I've always said that about you, you're like a magnet for positivity. And Thank yeah, you. I love that. Thank you. Now let's talk a little bit about the third part of your book, which is the part that I call the self-help part, mm -hmm. because you have taken what you've learned from your early childhood and mm -hmm. uh, your immigration journey and mm -hmm. wound that into lessons for, for anyone, really. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes, that third part of my book is what I love most about my book, because that's how I discover really uh, myself. I never knew about mindset, you know, changing your life through your mind. Mm. I thought that life was it. This is what I got. You know, mm -hmm. this is what, what it is. There is nothing I can change. That's what I thought at the age of 30. That was my thinking, because in my country also, that's the kind of thinking. This is what God gave you. Thank God for this. Thank God for this. This is what you got. But when you came here and you listen to people like my hero here in America, like Oprah Winfrey, and I started to listen to that woman a year after I came, mm -hmm. I got another type of thinking. I was emotional. I was crying. I would jump up and down. I was like, thank you, God, for showing me this. Because I started, the, I think the first time Oprah said, listen to yourself, I laughed. I'm like, how? <laughs> How am I going to listen to myself? Who am I listening to? <laughs> I didn't understand. And then at a certain point, I'm like, I'm going to do exactly what she said. 
and I started to do exactly what Oprah was saying. And it was loud. Mm. It was loud. I was like, okay, something is happening here. My life was so excited, so excited. And uh, that's when I got this awareness, really, to start listening to myself, to start seeing myself as someone so important in the world, as connecting the dots. I started to go back to my childhood, what I went through, how I came to the United States, the struggle I went through, the woman I supposed to help, I wanted to help in my life. And I'm like, something is happening. God is showing me something here. Mm-hmm. But when I was in my country, I thought that it was just about resources. It was just about money to help people. When I came to America, that's when I realized years later that it's not about the money. The money is the least, but it's about you yourself, building yourself, being aware of who you are, being aware of your potential, knowing that you can change your life. You have that power. You have the choice. I never knew I had a choice. Mm. So that's those things that excited me so much. And I was like, thank you, God. I Still today, I pray early in the morning and say, thank you, God, for America every single day. Mm. This is part of my prayers because by coming here, now I know who I am. I know why, what I'm capable. I know I am limitless. I know that it's up to me to get up and create something that can change the world. Yeah. That third part of my book, I read that part probably more than 10 times or more. Mm. Yeah, just to feel it, just to, to have a, a tears, you know, tears coming because I know this now. Yeah. And yeah. so many people don't know that. So many. Well, that's the thing. So many people don't know and, and mm-hmm. are searching for, you know, what is my purpose? So mm-hmm. stories mm-hmm. like yours are so influential and mm-hmm. so it's exciting to witness. Thank you. Thank now, you. how long after coming to America did you open your foundation here? And can you tell us a little bit about your foundation? Yes, yes. I came to the United States in 1994 and uh, had the foundation in 2006. Mm. Yeah, I was going to the library just to know about foundation read so many uh, type of uh, books about foundations because I was so hooked into philanthropy when I came here, mm-hmm. reading, you know, how Americans were helping, going to the skid row to cook for the homeless people. So I'm like, I have to have a foundation. Since in this country, this is possible to have a foundation. And I start all the paperwork of my foundation. I did them myself wow. just by reading i never go to pay anybody to file for 501c3 to file for bylaws i did all of them by myself at that moment just reading just asking questions just calling you know the resources american people give you like from the government they give you so many resources they guide you in so many ways that if you want to do something in america seriously you have so many choices Mm-hmm. So I opened it in 2006, and in 2012, I got my 501c3. Oh. I was, yeah, I was so proud of myself when I called the IRS and asked them, what is a 501c3? And they explained all the benefits. They guided me. They gave me videos in their, you know, website. I was like, the sky is the limit here. Yeah. Yeah, why not? Let me go for 501c3. And then I went for that. I went for the state exemption, 
they guided me also it was just overwhelmingly you know beautiful and that's how i got the non-profit organization starting to help homeless people in downtown los angeles and also giving it to my sister i'm like upon the same thing because my sister and i was doing the same thing when we were kids mm-hmm. we were the only two people in the house to be involved in what my mom was doing so she opened it in senegal She's helping the kids and I'm helping here the homeless. And, you know, every single time I have, you know, some resource here, just send it to her. And that's how we are doing it right now. Okay. Like you were saying, there aren't the same resources in Senegal. So you're funding the Senegal operation from here. Yes. Right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. Wow. I love that the two of you are your angels of change together and making changes in both countries. That's fascinating story. It's so wonderful to know that. To me, I tell myself every single day that I am here to serve. I am here to serve no matter who, no matter where they come from. If I see a woman or a child suffering, I have to stay there. I have to be there. Mm. Yeah, That's what I give myself. I, I don't want anything in the world but just to go and be there for them. When I met that woman, it's one of the stories in my book, we were just talking. I saw her in um, in downtown with her two children, and I was just talking to her. I saw how she was open to the conversation. Mm. And I told myself, even if I don't have money or resources to help people, just sitting down and talking to people so they know they have someone to talk to, that will make me fulfilled. That will give me a fulfilled life, right. just to do that. So to tell you that we have so many ways to make a difference, so many. But sometimes people ask, oh, how can I create a foundation? I don't have money. I'm like, you cannot base a foundation on having money. You will never then open that foundation. Mm. Just create your foundation and do first step, step by step. Sometimes I just buy water, cases of water, and go and distribute it. Mm. That's helping. Right. You don't need to cook. You don't, you don't need to have a lot of money. A case of water is like five ninety nine or $6. Buy two of them, go and distribute it, and you, you see how you feel. Do that with your children. Because philanthropy, you know, when you include philanthropy in your life, in your family's life, in raising your children, raising philanthropic children, you are giving them a chance in life to become successful. Because success is not just about money but it's about being open and being able to talk to anybody, not being afraid of people. Mm-hmm. And philanthropy is uh, something that we need to uh, put into our teaching for a better world because these children are the ones who are going to be here tomorrow. They are the leaders of the world tomorrow. So teaching them how to help, to be compassionate, to be respectful can make a huge difference in the world. Absolutely. So what are the daily operations of the foundation look like today? I know it's been kind of a, an odd year and a half. What are mm-hmm. you doing now? Are you focused on mostly homeless? What does it look Entire, like? Yeah, it looks like going to downtown, even if sometimes I cannot, because right now with the pandemic, uh, they don't allow us to cook and bring it to the homeless people. But Anything, even if like grabbing a snack, some some case of uh, cases of snack, mm-hmm. or some cases of water, some clothings that you know we don't wear anymore, shoes, the children's shoes, their closet, emptying their closet, and go and give it to the homeless people. 
mm. here. So that's how it looks like here. And it's just about also raising money to help more in Senegal because they don't have the resources. Right. And we have so many people who need help, especially with this pandemic. Uh, the distancing is the problem because we live with families. In Senegal, it's different. You see a house, like if I take my example, my mom is still in the house. My brothers and sisters and their children are still in the house. Wow. And they are big houses. It's not like small, you know, apartment houses. They are very big houses. So they have space. And then you go to other places where, you know, they have big families, but they don't have spaces. Mm. And they, they are always outside, you know, just to avoid to be crowded in the house. And sometimes you go to school. The school is not like this school. You can see 60, you know, students in one class. Oh, wow. Yes, yeah. sometimes even more. You know, some of the kids, they don't eat all day because their parents don't have money. Wow. So we focus on, right now, our biggest goal we, we set for 2022 is to build canteens in those schools. So at least every child will have one, one meal per day. Right, right. So that's what we are working on right now uh, in Senegal. But still, we are helping parents, especially single moms and widows, who don't have, you know, any resources. You know, here people have help from the government. In my country, there is no help from the government. Right. So they are on their own with their children. And I live that. I my mom lived that. She was she was not working. She was she never got an education, and she was by herself beside her parents. You know, her siblings. No one was there, and uh, it's very tough. It's a very tough situation. Mm -hmm. So. Mm -hmm. And that's what, you know, made me stay in America so I can have more resources to help those people. Yeah. 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 So far, that's what we're doing. Now, has your family been over to visit you at all or have you been back to Senegal? I've, I was there in 2009. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we were there in 2009. My sister came here. I have a story in, in my book about that visit. My sister came. My brother also. I have two brothers who came. Huh. Yeah, most of them, they don't want to come. Like my mom, I invited my mom many times. He's like, they said it's lonely in America. I cannot live that kind of life. <laughs> my mom will wake up at six in the morning and go to almost all the houses in the neighborhood to oh. say hi. Wow. So she cannot do that here. Yeah. So, yeah. It's more more but, of a community based. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Yes, yeah. it's very social. The life in Senegal, especially my town, is very social because they know each other. So they wake up early in the morning, they walk together to go to um, places to say hi to people, to help people. So it's very different. So I know if she comes here, he, she's not going to like it. Mm. Yeah. Let's head back to your book a little bit. It's coming out soon. And mm -hmm. uh, you have had some early reviews on it. Can you tell me what kind of response you've been getting from early reviewers? Yeah, thank you so much. Very, uh, very positive, Sherry. Very positive. Sometimes um, you got these messages or these phone calls just for one paragraph. Just mm -hmm. for one paragraph. Uh, I had the last one I had like two weeks ago, uh, one of the, the people who read the book, she said, Ev, I love your book. But there is one sentence that changed my life today. That's when you said the way of life is to know who you are. Mm. And she said, I didn't understand that. I read it. I went back to that chapter. I read it. 
and this is so beautiful because if we don't know who we are and what we are capable of, we may be, you know, lost. Right. So that's message that I got from mes- uh, probably a lot of them are Im- immigrants or parents. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's very positive and it just gives you joy, just gives you chills that you brought something that can change someone's life. Yeah. It's just beautiful. It's just beautiful. Yeah. And this is like to tell people anybody can do this. If I come to the United States of America, not speaking the language, you know, not having the resources to write a book, but I was so dedicated that I have to share my stories to help some people. Because I see how people are suffering when they come from other countries, especially my country. We are so connected with our families. Mm-hmm. When they come here, they suffer. It's so hard. Sometimes you have to call them to to do some counseling, you know, to talk to them about life. Maybe you are here for something. And they appreciate it. They appreciate it. So I'm really thankful for being able to to write this book, to share it with people. Yeah. It's a wonderful story. And um, what's next for you? Do you think you'll write another book along the same topic? Yes, I really want to write another book. There are so many things you can write about to help people, so many. Mm -hmm. You just have to to focus on it. With this book, I focused on this book for five years, writing, rewriting, removing stories, adding stories. It it was a long way for this book to come out. And now you you have a roadmap, you have a blueprint to how to write your next book. Now you have so many things. I want to share so many things, and um, I am working on it. Wow. I'm working on it. But the next thing is just to to help people. What Oprah did for me in 1995, 1996, all the way to now, to now, because I'm still listening to her. That's what I want to do also to other people. You have you have to pass it on. You cannot keep it. Right. You have to pass it on because one sentence can help people. You know, people have dreams, they have vision, but sometimes they have fear. They think they cannot do it. They think it's impossible. They are immigrants. They don't speak the language. I got those those stories all over the place, all the time. How can I do this? I'm an immigrant. You know, I'm afraid, you know, yeah. all those kind of things. I'm like, you don't need to be afraid of anything. You have a vision, bring it out. People want to see it. People want to know. People want to help you. But if you don't talk about it, if you don't say it, if you don't do anything, people will not be able to help you. So bring what you got. I can help you out. Give me the story. I can help. I help so many people write this their book right now. I give them my system. This is how you're going to write it. You know, do it this way. Because oh. you want them to be fulfilled in life. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's amazing. That's wonderful, Bonetta. Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. It's just sharing. It's just because I got it from someone and I have to give it to someone else. Right. You know, you cannot keep things like that. You have to share it with the whole world. And I'm hoping that people will read this book to have their aha moment, to know that they can do it. Mm -hmm. Nothing stops them from doing it but themselves. Well, Benetta, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been wonderful to talk with you again and uh, and sharing your experience with our, our listeners. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, Sherry. And uh, I'm thanking you uh, seriously from the bottom of my heart. I thank you. I thank Susan also. Um, I thank your team. You know, I think I have something to say, press. 
And uh, I thank all your listeners. I hope that they will enjoy this book and uh, this interview too. And I hope that they will understand that, you know, life is too short. They have to have some empathy to understand people and to do something. You can always do something. Every single time you wake up in the morning, you are in charge of your life. You can do whatever you want in your life. And I think the most beautiful thing is to go to bed knowing that you changed someone's life that day mm. or you did something positive that day. So thank you so much for sharing my story. Thank you. Thank you for joining me today for my interview with Benetta Gom, author of Becoming an Angel of Change. For more information on Benetta and her work, visit her website at benettagom.com. And be sure to check out our other interviews at InsideScoopLive.com. <laughs>